Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Today is October 2nd. Sounds about right. Well, that means tomorrow is... What's tomorrow? Mm-hmm. What's tomorrow? The day to mark an event. Anniversary. That's right. Mm-hmm. We both remembered. We are two people who do not celebrate milestones, anniversaries, momentous occasions to the extreme. We probably should do it a little bit. Yeah. I think By some God, of those... though, the pressure. Oh, and the expense. Well, I often feel the same way about those things as I do like Christmas nowadays. Like, Christmas just happens too often. I'm I'm on a I, I would push for an every other year, maybe every third year. Then you'd really get into it, like the uh, Olympics. Uh, or a leap yes. year. Well, except the the Olympics seems to happen every six months, and uh, it's never enjoyable. But yeah, the the same idea where, um, if something's actually going to be special, because the you know perception of the passage of time, uh, in in your fifties seems very different than your passage of time in your teens, for example. Um, so 365, you know, once every 365 days, just far too often. Yeah. <clears throat> Plus, um, I don't like to celebrate my birthday or acknowledge my birthday or even um, have a birthday because I tend to have very bad luck on my birthdays, especially when I'm turning over a decade. So mm-hmm. I call it my day off. Right. My birthday also falls on a Dutch national holiday, so that makes it a little bit easy, a little bit easier to just fly under the radar. And it's also a bit confusing, not confusing, but considering how we can't be arsed to celebrate things like anniversaries or Valentine's Day. It is an issue when it comes to Thanksgiving and Christmas. So the only traditional thing in our life is the decades of Christmas ornaments, Christmas tree ornaments that we have amassed. Last year, we were so busy that um, we were just too exhausted and too busy to think about putting up the Christmas tree. So we made the very, very sad decision not to do it. And I'm still sad about it. You tend to get more upset, I think, if we don't do Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, well, we, of course, weren't too busy to put up the tree. We just didn't prioritize it. Yeah. That's all. If we really wanted to put up the tree, obviously, we would find time to do it. It was a couple things. Uh, it's partly the cats. Cats were new. We didn't trust the cats. Cats and Christmas trees, always dangerous to begin with. Uh, in part because of uh, what you mentioned there. We you know, accumulate ornaments, uh, find at least you know one new ornament every year, uh, and therefore there's kind of tradition built into the, or some sort of timeline built into the uh, Christmas tree. And uh, cats, as they often do, you know, just uh, destroy things. Um, well, they were tiny little baby kittens. Too, yeah, that's what so I'm saying. It would have been too kittens. We don't know what they're irresistible like. to them. Now, I yeah. will mention that 
Um, our Christmas tree can be seen from space. Once Michael has strung all the lights. And yet, well, not true. he thinks there's not nearly enough lights on our tree. You can't have enough lights on a Christmas tree. I, I think everyone who actually cares about uh, Christmas or uh, life knows that you can't have too many lights on a Christmas tree. Um, it does, I suppose, but yeah, it, it is fair to say that uh, the Dutch people who um, look at our Christmas tree do tend to think it, it's ridiculous, but I think that's less uh, a comment on what we're doing with our Christmas tree versus uh, their approach to Christmas trees, which tends to be kind of sad. They, they choose a species of tree also that's um, just doesn't... They're Charlie Brown trees it, a little bit. The, the overall structure is not unlike that of a Charlie Brown tree, yeah. So then they're... Fewer places for ornaments and uh, light, etc. So uh, yes, our just tends to be uh, more festive than uh, than the locals. Um, Thanksgiving. Well, you know, Thanksgiving is uh, uniquely American for one thing. So that's nice. Although I guess people don't, might... you don't have to go into the politics of Thanksgiving right now. We're just talking about how much you like enormous right. quantities of food. I I do, uh, I I do like quantities of food. That that is very true. Um, once a year is not too often for a feast, um, but uh, Thanksgiving is, uh, depending on how you're doing it, depending on uh, how many people, etc. Um, that too can be a kind of a commitment. So we haven't always gone all in on Thanksgiving as well. Um. We should save our Ivana story about Thanksgiving for our very special Thanksgiving episode. Which oh, we're going to have a special Thanksgiving episode. Because it's oh, already October. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, so at the end of the podcast, I will be announcing a new band oh. word. Okay. Which I'm going to use for the first and last time during this podcast. I want to see if you can guess what it is. Yes, but alongside that, can we also have a secret competition that's going? So if you've got a band word in mind that you'll announce at the end of a particular show, if I happen to use that without knowing it, because you don't never tell me the band words until you uh, publicly announce them. <clears throat> Public is a strange phrase to use applied to this podcast. But uh, it, I should get a prize if I happen to stumble upon the, the secret word, like a Pee Wee's Playhouse. Uh, okay, you can get a prize. Okay. So what will your what will your no, word? no I'm not I'm oh. not going to guess. It's just it would have to. Oh, I have to come up with the pie, the prize after if you guess it. You should always have a prize in reserve. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know you don't know if somebody's going to win it every. It, I probably will not stumble upon a banned word. But if I should, in the same episode, of course, that you announce, because you announce at the end. So yeah. during the course of the episode, I might accidentally say the band word. Then I, I get a prize and a klaxon sound. Okay. Um, so Michael is quite, as we know, let's, let's review. Michael's very good at everything, um, including math. So 
I'm not very good at math at all, but uh, so I, I, I appreciate math. Tomorrow, it's 2023. Tomorrow is our anniversary. How many years will we have been married tomorrow? <laughs> that's not fair because... You can't remember the year we got even, married. No, I, I do remember the year we got, we got married. We got married in 1998. Yeah, nice job. Yeah, <laughs> indeed, 1998. Yeah. Just pause for a second there. Yes. Okay, that's so how correct. many years is that? Yeah, no, that, that's a big one. But I think that's... No, how many uh, years is it? Are you stalling or do you know? 25. How many? 25. No, said. we've been married longer than that, haven't we? <laughs> no. Haven't we been married for like 40 years? <laughs> we've been married for 25 we've years? We've known each other 40 years, uh, almost. Seems like it. But uh, no, we's, we can't make this Is our uh, Tomorrow's our 25th wedding anniversary? That's what I'm saying. You wow. talk about milestones, and wow. this is why these things pass us by. Then, and then you start to... Uh, do those you're like wait a second so if i just you know subtract the two numbers it seems like it's to be 25 years but is it actually does that mean that 25 years have elapsed or is it just 24 years and it's about to turn the 25th year you know you, you do that kind of thing too but also um isn't it a big one in terms of uh is it silver what, is it? what the hell is the no clue Somebody made up those, it's a platinum jubilee or, a, you know, a uranium jubilee, like the, you know, really, really rare stuff. Uh, but that doesn't have uranium higher numbers. Jubilee. Well, I'm saying it's it, the, in general, the more precious the item, the longer the period of time. So I think is, uh, is 25 silver. I, I think this should be our, our either, um, this should be either our, cobalt anniversary or our cobalt. our enriched uranium anniversary so are we going to go nuclear or are we going to go you know lithium-ion battery anniversary right. right i mean in terms of substances that are most prevalent, do you need enriched uranium uranium for nuclear power plants or is that just for bombs uh yeah uh no, I think the enriched stuff is is just uh, weapons grade, but yeah, but it's not much uranium to begin with, so we're precious about such things. Um, another yes, substances are most common in our life. If it's actually going to mark the milestone, it would have to be things like, you know, cat litter or, uh, uh dog poo bags. Like the, these are the the items uh, or materials. The amount of hair that, that's falling off the top of your head <clears throat> is proportionate to the amount of hair that's, you know, growing under my chin. Mm-hmm. We are. I think. I, I mean. No, I'm, I'm, I've got you. It's a good thing that, that we're happily married because if we weren't, there would be a riot of people lining up the door, mm-hmm. scratching and clawing to get at us. Sure. I don't know if a lot of folks... Uh, start dating someone new in their 50s or something. Yeah, I think that would be a challenge. Well, it's not a challenge for... It wouldn't be a challenge for you. It would be an impossibility for me. No, that, that's not true. But uh, it, there is certainly... Whatever we... Another game that we can play... Yes. Is which of our expensive 
purebred Norwegian forest cats diarrheaed on the floor. So for the last couple of days, somebody's been leaving behind little deposits of diarrhea on the floor. I thought that it was Sharjah. And the reason I thought that is because Sharjah, who I have not been able to get my hands on for more than two seconds because she loves to be outside, her backside is a little bit messed up. So I got Sharjah to come inside last night and I picked her up and I looked at her backside Mm -hmm. and her backside is indeed dirty but i it's just it's just this it's just mud and some sticks and some burrs there's nothing fecal back there at all she was playing down at the waterfront she loves to play down at the waterfront i think it just dried now norwegian forest cats can be notoriously lazy groomers as our veterinarians have called them which brings us much shame as if we didn't teach them how to groom properly we're not supposed to teach them how to go so i think it might actually be chariot uh because it's i see a little deposit right there and it's quite um well it's quite runny so it wouldn't necessarily have stuck to her backside jack kerouac our producer has joined us good morning jack jack's already had his breakfast oh he is wide-eyed he is looking for a fight thanks for showing up jack so that my guess for the last week is that this has actually been Chariot and not Sharjah, which makes sense because mm-hmm. Shar- Sharjah's hardly ever been inside. She's enjoying these warm days. Yeah. I've been putting a little bit of my homemade probiotic yogurt to the tiniest little bit in Chariot's food, thinking it was helping her, but clearly, I think yeah. mystery solved, it's not. So I, I know, think... I know, I know. Okay. Feed the cat's cat food. Oh, here comes Chariot. Chariot, did you do that? I think you did that. But you know what? It could also be Sharjah because I've been see, I've see, I've been seeing Sharjah, who spent the night in our room last night, trying to go to the bathroom. So I think it might still be Sharjah. Let's just start with okay. giving the pets pet food, and then we'll figure things out from there. Now, now, if our listeners can hear that, that's Jack Kerouac. Okay. He's not. Um, the tail is twitching. He's not thrilled that the chariot has come to join us. It took Jack about a year to not completely freak out in their presence. Now we've reduced it to some low-grade hostility. Oh, poor Jackie. Jackie, stick around, bud. All right. So. Yes. Anyway. I don't like to say I have a personal stylist. That sounds ridiculous. However, I have hired a personal stylist in the past. Her name is Tammy Parrish. I will have Tammy on the podcast so we can discuss what I think are... It's just water, Michael. She just dipped her tail in some water. Don't panic. Uh, I will have Tammy on the podcast um, because I think that hiring a stylist to help you revamp your wardrobe every once in a while is very necessary for a variety of reasons. Um, It's definitely, you know, a luxury. But um, if you're a professional woman who's spending money on clothes anyway, I think that it's very, very good. Michael's favorite phrase, value for money. If you're starting to date in your 50s, get a stylist. Well, our bodies change. And, you know, I've always loved clothes. And it got to the point where I just... I just couldn't figure out how to 
dress myself anymore in a way that was flattering. Like the clothes that I liked mm-hmm. just weren't looking good on me anymore. And well, well, I'll save this for Tammy. Um, okay. So she's, so I called up Tammy a couple of days ago because I wanted to, for her, I asked her if she could put together a few pieces for my mom as a little surprise present for her. Cause she's um, going on a couple of trips and I thought, you know, my mother will never ever shop for herself. And so I am forcing my own will into my mother's closet by selecting uh, some clothes for her. She can, she probably won't wear them, but at least my job here is done. Um, and uh, hold on, I'm just pulling this up. While I'm pulling this up, if you're going to be reading sections from a book or a magazine article or a newspaper article, what's the fair use situation there, Michael, before we get ourselves into trouble? Fair use uh, is not very well defined as a doctrine. I mean, it is in theory, but when it's actually applied, it's difficult to determine whether you're on one side or the other of fair use. Best off not to do it <laughs> at all. What was, are you sure that... Uh, well, I'm going to be reading... We'll just do readings of uh, public domain materials. Then you're not well, I'm going it. to be reading some sections of a newspaper article she sent me this morning from the New York Times. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's, that, that, that's fine. Go ahead and do it. Okay. I mean, look, again, <laughs> nobody's listening. It doesn't matter. This is a that's personal conversation. That's very true. That's very, very true. This We're talking into the vacuum here. Yes. Okay. Let me set up the scene. So I called Tammy a couple of days ago. I said, hey, mm-hmm. I want to pick out some clothes for my mother. And we were sort of catching up on each other's summers. And she said, well, the family, we went back to the States for three weeks and traveling around and we spent a day in Seattle and i uh, never been there before. And she said, we really were quite uncomfortable, didn't enjoy it, wanted to get out. And I don't think Tammy knew at that point that I had, we had lived in mm-hmm. Seattle, you know, for 10 years before we moved out here. Um. The last time I'd been in Seattle, I think was four or five years ago. And before that, it was many years. So from the time between the second to last time I was in Seattle and the last time I was in Seattle, which was five years ago, was drastically different. Every green space you could find had a tent on it. The uh, sort of urban park and dog park behind our house uh, under the uh, highway, which was built up to be a uh, mountain biking park. And like I said, the dog park, and it was looking really cool. Covered in tents, Green Lake Park, encampments. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And that's saying something. The first time I ever went to Seattle in, when I fell in love with Seattle, in, well, I guess that was 1996, you know, little girl from the Midwest, quite shocking to hang out at the park at the end of Pike Place Market and seeing people that are incredibly drunk who have urinated in their jeans many, many times, you know, clothes undone, no shoes. It was, you know, it was not anything I had seen before. And I think that we get we just get used to things. And I believe I've talked about this before, but 
my love affair with Seattle was starting to come wind down and come to an end, especially as I was seeing what life could be like here in Europe, which was for me, a preferable lifestyle. Also not perfect. People calm down. Should anybody hear this? Calm down. Um, uh, um, where was I going with this? Yes. Um, but on my walk to work every day, I had to cross under a bridge. And um, on my way to our office, which was in the international district, international district. <clears throat> and I have to walk around or over people sleeping rough, sleeping out in the streets. And when you get used to that, that's a problem. That is a tragic, horrible problem. You don't even notice anymore. And human beings are incredibly adaptable, adaptive. So it's a nice reminder when something that you've gotten used to, people are seeing it for the first time, like Tammy, who'd who was, you know, one day and one night in Seattle said, oh my God, I can't wait to get out of here. This was a city that I fell in love with in 1996 at first sight because it was so beautiful and it was so amazing. Even with the homeless and, uh, and drug and alcohol, the visible drug and alcohol problems that the city had back then, which it was already famous for, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, my first, you know. Okay. So... Yeah, there's a lot of natural beauty there, uh, certainly. Sure. You have to look up and out. Don't look down and in. You look up and out. You look at the mountains, the water, you're fine. You look down and in, you're in big, big trouble. Um, so that I'm setting the scene there to remind us how bad the West Coast has gotten since we left. And she sent me this. You mean with uh, homeless? problem well and the open drug market problems and just the Mm -hmm. problems Mm -hmm. in on the west coast on west coast cities and we were talking about something we've talked about already in this podcast podcast earlier about how the middle is being wiped out and the middle is getting bigger and bigger all the time where people are moving to secondary cities um all that's left are people at the extreme bottom and the extreme top and What's the outcome of that going to be in, say, like the five, next five or 10 years? So she sends, sends me this article. Mm-hmm. Now, you're going to recognize some things in here. I'm going to, they should have, the, the title of this article in the New York Times, written by Eli Saslow, photographs by Aaron Schaff, giving credit here, fair use. Um, the title of this article in New York Times is he's a dab of glue in a broken city. Can he hold it together? I think that they should have named this article dystopian Portlandia. Now let's pick out some clues as to why. Sorry. hold on. <coughs> okay. I'm going to try and keep my face in front of the mic while I read. This is very difficult. Um, all right. It's very difficult it, it to hold my phone. Seem challenging. Talk. Okay. Uh, Michael Bach. Oh, this is hard to do. It's also because I can't. I can't. I need to make it big enough. I need to hold it close enough that I. If I. I can't. I have to look at it through my bifocals, and I can't hold it. If I hold it far enough, I have to hold the mic up, and then the mic gets in the way, and then I can't. I can't see it. Don't read things on your phone. Well, the phone is but, for telephoning people. Yeah, but then if I read it from my computer, 
Let me try and see if I can read it from my computer. Hold on. Yeah. This is worth it. This is worth it. The point of this is old. Okay. Let's see if I can move everything around. And... Oh, no, because I'm behind a firewall on my computer. And I don't know what my password is, but Good. I'm not behind a firewall. Right. On my pa- okay, but just get on with it. Just get on with it. Okay, here we go. Um, Michael Bach was still on his way into work for his shift as a private security guard when he came upon his first emergency of the day. He drove into downtown Portland, Oregon, a little after 6 a.m., and saw a man swinging a hatchet and chasing someone into the street. Bach, 46, pulled over and rolled down his window. Security, he yelled. Can we please settle down? He put his hands on my drugs, the man said with the hatchet. I'm going to kill him. He jabbed his weapon at the air as the person he was chasing picked up a rock. Bach watched them circle each other and dialed 911. A call taker will be with you as soon as possible, the recording said. This is 911. Um, And he waited on hold as he steered his car farther into the street, wedging it between the two men, honking his horn and sending them off in opposite directions as a dispatcher answered the line. We had two transients in the street fight, but it looks like they're dispersing, Bach said. All clear, the dispatcher asked. Bach glanced back toward the street where one man was about to get on a bicycle with what appeared to be a gash on his arm. The other was still carrying a hatchet and muttering to himself as he headed down a popular jogging trail. Okay, three things. One, hatchet man probably stole the hatchet from Target, which he can do without being persecuted. Because I think you can walk in and out of a store with 900 bucks worth of merchandise and nobody's going to arrest you. Without fear of persecution or prosecution. Yes. Two, while I admire that the two men are ready to kill each other, at least when they have to run away, they're doing so sustainably. One on his bicycle and the other one down the a popular jogging trail. So uh, they get the gear. In this case, the gear. gear is their drugs. Yeah. And they go for a nice jog or bicycle ride. But how do you jab with a hatchet? That's the question. Uh, you don't jab with it. What do you do with a hatchet? You swing? Swing. swing. You yeah. swing with a hatchet. But maybe he was jabbing with the hatchet. Maybe he was oh, just didn't know how to use a hatchet and he's just poke, poking the but, air with a hatchet. Like the image. stub end of the hatchet, not yeah. the blade end. Right. I'm sorry, listeners, that I keep clearing my nasal passages into the mic. I'm not a professional. You got the SARS. Well, today is the first... This is the first morning in two weeks where I have woken up not feeling like total death. So let's see um, how long this lasts. Going slow. Anyway, so 911's like, you know, oh, a second, you know, is everything okay? Now, this is a good trick in business, by the way. If people ask you a question and you don't answer it right away, chances are by the time you get around to talking to them, they will have answered it themselves. So, 911 is letting this civilian just person on his way to work take care of this. Okay, let's continue. I think it's all civilians that call 911, right? I mean, you wouldn't have a cop call 911. No, but the, but the civilian is trying is doing something. He's not just watching it from behind a window in his living room. He's sure. trying to talk, he's engaging Actively with the engaged. two guys. Citizens arrest. Sorry, he hung up point. and continued From driving. Now when I blurt things out, uh, when I do those... Uh, no, don't explain. Just let it hang, Michael. Don't say what you're... I'm only uh, going to do after this. Oh, okay. That's fine. Yeah. Thanks. That's a good one. 
He hung up and continued driving into one of the many American downtowns where one crisis now spirals into the next as spiking rates of homelessness, drug overdoses, violent crime, and psychosis threaten to overwhelm the public safety infrastructure once considered basic to the country's major cities. Average police response times have increased as much as 50% over the last several years in dozens of places. Um, Okay, so I'm going to skip down to the next one. In Portland, a record-breaking number of daily emergencies has strained every part of the system. 911 hold times have quintupled since 2019. The average police response has slowed to nearly an hour. Firefighters work overtime to handle more overdoses than actual fires. And each week, there are no ambulances left to respond to hundreds of medical emergencies. What has arrived into the void are thousands of private security guards hired by office buildings, coffee shops, stores, schools, parking lots, and what has become one of the country's fastest growing industries. So Tammy had also said that there was a security guard in a bulletproof vest in mm. front of every retail establishment that she saw in Seattle. Um, with annual revenues exceeding $40 billion, most major U.S. cities now have at least three times as many security guards on the street as sworn police officers, even though guards typically operate with minimal oversight, less training, and little power to enforce the law. So now we're privatizing the dystopian chaos the patrolling of the dystopian chaos that is you know the major american cities on the west coast and others so that can't be good in addition to new york putting patrol robots in its subways which is hilarious that's going to last about a day before new yorkers figure out how to you know have sex with the robot or pee on the robot or push the robot out of the rails i Um, thought all you had to do is uh, post them a conundrum or a paradox mm. and their uh, brains Mm -hmm. just explode they'll be doing that when the robots yeah, uh, come to, to boston the harvard campus um wait a minute if you're lying okay. then how can you tell me that you're lying so let's keep going um yes so this is a, not just about seattle this is about the west coast well this is this story is specifically in, taking place in portland yeah okay that's yeah. where michael went to law school <clears throat> bach patrolled the city each morning on behalf of Echelon Protective Services in his family's 2006 mini fan without the benefit of lights or a siren rolling down his window to control people into behaving with a mixture of charm, intimidation, commiseration, and free cigarettes. Now, this is the story of what I think that they're painting as a hero. Um, this, I will say, is, is, you know, kind and as um, civic-minded as this person might be. He doesn't look like, as most cops, that he's in any shape to actually deal with a physical confrontation. And isn't this just vinci- vi- um, vigilantism? Like soft, soft core vigilantism? Let me keep going, because here we go. His job was mostly to help businesses deal with the impacts of public drug use and erratic behavior. And over the last few years, he's come to know dozens of regular offenders by name. There was Stephanie, who sometimes stole diapers for her newborn baby that existed only in her mind. And Christopher, whom Bach had resuscitated after an overdose, only seeing him smoking fentanyl an hour later. And Stephen, who had a history of violence and was now standing naked in the middle of Third Avenue, wearing only his left sneaker, gyrating and yelling something about how he was a sumo wrestler. Now, again, very sad, but also kind of hilarious. Because yeah, that, I, that, that, that sounds, I wouldn't want to see it, but it sounds funny. I'm sure it's not funny to look at. <laughs> So now it's going on. The story's going on and on about how bad everything is. He's getting disconnected when he's trying to call helplines. 
Uh, he sometimes waited on hold for several hours for a non-emergency call. Um, he talks to Stephen. He says, Stephen, how are we doing today? Stephen is the naked sumo wrestler. He asked, but Stephen didn't seem to hear. He waved his arms at the sky and slumped toward the ground. Buddy, this doesn't look fun, Buck said. How can we help you get into a better situation? Uh, he got some clothes for him. 45 minutes later, attracting a crowd of eight private security guards from five different companies, a few dozen passersbys, and then finally a police officer who pulled into the in intersection in his cruiser and rolled down his window. Sorry, he told Bach, I'm on the way to a high-priority call. He promised to circle back later if no one else was available to respond. So, yeah. high-priority. He says, I get it. We're all doing the best he can, which is a, a, phase, a phrase that he repeats to himself often to try and not get frustrated. Anyway, the other thing, that, there's my first anyway. Um, maybe it wasn't my first. The thi another thing that is um, a bit eye-opening and alarming about this article is that the security guard is packing heat. He carries a gun. He is not a police officer. He is a security officer. And he is carrying a weapon. Yeah, but that's part of being a security guard. That's... Um... That is so it sounds like it used to be that you just had the so-called uh, rent-a-cops, which was never a term that was used uh, other than pejoratively. Um, they were at McDonald's, but that was pretty much the only place you saw them. Um, yeah. But now, now there's lots of them. The, but, you know, why the, not? So I mean, when I was growing up, their job was to chase all of us kids yeah. out of the kegger party we had in the cornfield at the back of the halfway developed... Um, uh, huh. um, again, I don't know. I most of this podcast um, subdivision is about watching our old oh, brains okay. struggle to yeah. recall very common words. Continue. Oh, I wasn't. I but was that and now, now they're patrolling the streets. Um, now, now Bach, uh, our protagonist here, watched a man lie down on a park bench and began chewing on what looked like a. Oh, I don't, I'm not cool. I don't know how to, how to read this out loud. It says 0.357 Magnum bullet. How would a cool person, yeah. a three, a 357. Is that how you say it? That's one way of saying it. How, yeah. how does that normal? Yeah, how, yeah, 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 okay. Yeah. Magnum bullet. A 65 year old rolled down the sidewalk in a wheelchair while carrying a spear fashioned out of tent poles. A man with a massive cut on his forehead wobbled and nearly fell on the sidewalk. Ah. <sighs> Yeah, so we need to talk to Sonali um, and find out if these stories are, exag are exaggerating the situation. People that you talk to live in Portland will probably say yes. Oh, those riots that they were showing on the news, that was only like one city block. It made They made it look like it was the entire city, but it was one city block and it was like 100 people. I'm like, yeah, but it's still happening. It's still bad. Riots in Portland. There's there's some problems uh, in large cities, not just uh, in the States, but uh, the world over. Um, oh, I don't man. necessarily have a problem with uh, privatization of a lot of security services because uh, I, I do think that it would be a misuse of resources to send an actual city police officer to... Uh, to stand in front of a drugstore and make sure that, you know, people don't <laughs> steal <laughs> precursor for meth or whatever. But um, 
I can see it must be kind of bizarre if you're you're seeing all of these um, unfortunate incidents with uh, people who are in uh, rather sad circumstances, um, and you just see all these private security services Gosh. rather than police officers. That's a bit bizarre. I mean, here's a picture of him doing CPR on this filthy man. They they don't you you can see the bottom of his chin and his hands. His his face and his hands are they look dead. He looks gray blue, and here's the security guy. You know, touching this person's mouth with his own, trying to revive him, which he was able to do, just so he can go and do some more fentanyl as soon as he wakes up. Here's somebody else in a uh, city of Portland who's dead. Here's another picture where this Mr. Bach is checking to see if somebody's alive or not. <laughs> they used to tell us in health class that uh, they would often vomit into your mouth when yeah. you try CPR on somebody. I don't know if that's true. I've never done CPR on somebody. Now here's a picture of Mr. Bach crying. I mean, it's just, it, you know, this it's poor overwhelmed. man. Overwhelmed. Yeah. So there's that dystopian Portlandia. All right, you got some solutions? I don't know. I mean, the the big debate, I guess, is housing first, yes or no. Do you get them off the streets or do you get them off the drugs first? That's the big debate, I believe, in these cities. That's certainly one of the debates. Also, uh, what's the mix between, you know, mental illness and drug use and, of course, their interactions between. But again, I know it sounds like old guy talking about the gold age, but uh, I do think most of the homeless people that were around when we were younger did actually have mental problems, not necessarily drug use. Yeah, I mean, sure in, I remember anymore. in Bloomington at Indiana University, mm-hmm. um, there were two. There was the old, they both had a shopping cart, and there was the old woman who had her shopping cart. And then there was that man. He looked kind of cool. He had long like shag- Stewart. He looked like Rod Stewart. You remember who I'm talking about. And he used to wear like women's clothing, but in sort of a cool like 80s rocker way say, yeah, and he had that weird walk spandex. Yeah. and I think maybe he thought that he was maybe he was could have been in an alternate been. universe wasn't a good period for Rod the lead yeah. singer of a hair metal band could, could well have been anyway yes that, that was certainly a recollection there were only a couple of them and they actually just seemed to have fallen through the cracks and whatever would pass for a um, state psychiatric system. Yeah. I, I don't know really what, obviously I don't know anything about those people, but I do remember those, those individuals. Um, when I was a child, there was a very famous man on campus at the University of Michigan. Uh, when I was small, we lived in Ann Arbor. And his name was Shaky Jake. And everybody knew who Shaky Jake was. I think everybody <laughs> sort of looked out for him. Sure. And when Shaky Jake passed away, which I believe was only a few years ago, the whole city mourned. They looked out for him. So he's like the most famous unfortunate in Ann Arbor. Wow. I'm not sure he was unfortunate. He was just 
Shaky Jake. He just lived his life on right. a different plane. <laughs> okay. Um, He's an institution. You could set your watch to it. It's like, yeah, here comes Jake. Yeah. He's always making his rounds. Maybe this whole fentanyl thing will just burn itself out, will just die out. Maybe people will just, you, you know, this this most likely happened because everyone was getting hooked on prescription drugs. It's much harder to get to these prescription drugs now. And so then they started with heroin, then they went mm-hmm. on to fentanyl. Maybe people will just not, not so many people will become addicted to prescription drugs because Purdue Pharma has been putting its, well, it hasn't been put in its place at all, but uh, they're not being handed out like uh, Tic Tacs. So I, I have uh, heard of fentanyl. I, I, I don't know what the, the effect of fentanyl is. So is fentanyl is... Ups or downs? It's a broadly. downer. So okay. it is um, like, I don't know, a thousand times or 10,000 times as powerful as morphine. Right, right, right. And you so it's normally super. given to people in the last stages of life who are suffering extremely, cancer patients most likely... Um, or maybe morphine doesn't work so well anymore. But then it was started to being, quote unquote, oh, that's my first quote unquote, prescribed irresponsibly as a sleep aid. So I believe that that's hmm. how, well, I think Michael Jackson died of a fentanyl overdose. Um, Prince, oh, okay. I believe also. Um, but now they can make it on the streets relatively easily, I, I believe. Okay. So Michael Schellenberger who is a journalist that I admire, wrote a book called San Francisco about this whole issue. And he spent a lot of time in the Netherlands talking to former ministers and local Gemeente government uh, employees. That is municipality. Uh, And also, I think, ministers in the Tweede Kamer that is the house of representatives. How did Amsterdam clean up its heroin problem in the 70s and 80s? And the policy was called compassion with consequences. So they figured out what all of the drug addicts on the street wanted, and they all wanted their own private room. So they got a private room as long as they could stay clean. And if they failed a drug test, then they lost the private room. So I think they either had to go back out on the streets or they had to share a room or something. Mm-hmm. They, it, it worked. It worked. And so it's the with consequences part that I think the West Coast is missing because of all of this, you know, woke mm-hmm. compassion that's actually just pity. Um, that's not helping anyone. Yeah. Uh, the implication there, though, is that they would prefer a room to drugs. If they just prefer the drugs, then that's not incentive. Right. But a lot of, but the ones who did want to try, they were like, well, what, what's, what do you want? I want my own room. Right. So they started there and it worked. I think the problem partly is that drugs are really, really good. Up until a point. And then it's the opposite. So life is really, really hellish if you don't have them. So it's about but when you avoiding, have them, yeah. it's really, really good. Well, so yes, the Michael, I think everybody knows that or else why would people ever take drugs for the first time? No, but I, I'm saying the problem isn't the drug itself. The problem is not having the drug because otherwise everything's great. Well, that's the whole Gabor Mate and Russell Brand thing. 
is that drugs. I only know one of those people. Drugs do at first what they're supposed to do. They solve a problem. If you're feeling unbearable pain, uh, alienation, sorrow, loneliness, drugs fix all of that. Sure. For a while. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I, that. Yeah. So. Okay. Um, how is this? I don't think that the problem is going to get solved. I don't see America solving any problems. I think you can only solve the problem if you define the problem. And for a lot of people, the problem is, I don't want to see this. Yeah. That's quite different. And I don't want this ruining my property values. to exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think we'd first have to <laughs> agree so on what this the is, actual and issue I, I, is. I'm proceeding with caution here about the Diane Feinstein thing, because she is a woman and she was... A first and that she was the first woman to be elected, you know, this and this and this and this. Okay, but was she good? And considering that she worked until the day she died, is California in a better state now than it was when she was mayor of San Francisco? Is San Francisco in a better state now than she was when she was first mayor? I mean, was it better while she was mayor and then it got worse afterwards? How do you actually, I mean, let's forget about the first. Let's forget about, okay, fine, good, job well done. You're a woman, you got elected for the, your, the, for the first time. But were you good at your job? As a woman, I want to be judged on whether or not I was good at my job. Otherwise, we're not getting anywhere. How many other women did she bring into local politics? Or was it just all about her? I don't know. The answer to these questions, but these are the questions that I'm asking. Yeah. No, I think that uh, uh, all of those are fair questions. I'm not even sure how, um, if you asked people again to say, all right, well, what makes a good politician or, you know, an effective, uh, I mean, leader is, is a broad term, but uh, certainly by some definitions, uh, politicians do, you know, lead a city, state, country, whatever. Um, how does one do that effectively? I don't know. I think a lot of people would disagree about that. Um, for some people, I think what they look for in a politician or, you know, a head of state or city, um, is someone that makes them feel good about themselves or feel proud. It's like, oh, you know, I'm whatever i'm proud to call myself californian because arnold schwarzenegger is uh you know the chief executive or whomever um and then for other people i think it would tend to be a much more um you know in some ways a a more complicated um assessment you know you actually have to say uh what are the main policies that I feel strongly about or, you know, the main issues that I feel strongly about, how do their uh, policies deal with those issues? And that, of course, is where it can get really difficult because you have to do that on balance. Is this person, what is the net effect? And if you have to do, (laughs) I realize thumbs up and thumbs down, uh, with all respect to uh, Siskel and Ebert, those are you know, uh, overly simplifying. Um, and yet, a, a binary logic can be applied to every single issue. What did this person, for example, what, what did our mayor uh, do about the homeless situation in our city? However it is that one defines, you know, that issue. Um, 
and you just have to say thumbs up, thumbs down. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, you are not very uncomfortable with shades of gray. So. I, I love shades of gray. Yeah. I love all wow. of that complicated, but you ultimately have to, the shades of gray have to play into. It's not always just pass fail, Michael. Well, that's how we vote, though. We either say yes or no to this particular person. And it has to be because of all of these different issues that we think are important. Um, hopefully, there are some disagreements with these people on uh, their approach to, to some policies. But ultimately, we have to say, all right, well, that's a reasonable compromise. I don't care as much about this as I do about that. I mean, it could be something as, you know, just kind of crass and simplistic as uh, all I want is a mayor that has, you know, free parking in all of our downtown areas. I don't care what they do about the homeless. You know, I don't care what the property taxes are. Well, you know, whatever. Silly example. But if that's really what you feel about things, then anybody who adds the free parking, that's it. <clears throat> or I want a mayor who doesn't allow any petrol or diesel vehicles uh, you know, in all of our city center. That's the only thing that's important to me or the most important thing to me. And that's really the key issue is that everybody is celebrating Diane Feinstein as a woman with many firsts, but she's really in that regard just a figurehead. The real heroes or the real brave people, if you will, are the people that got behind her, that put her in office, the voters, no matter if they're a man or a woman or binary or whatever, that voted for her. Those are the ones that are taking the risk, you know? And, um, and Well, but presumably those people are doing that in order to serve their own self-interest. And they don't really go in for that altruism. Right, so, and that's why, I mean, she's a politician, so end yeah. of story. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not anymore. She's not. No. All right. I just want to let you know that I have prepared nothing for tomorrow. So, please, if so, if you had forgotten that our anniversary is tomorrow, I had also forgotten until I was looking at the date to mm -hmm. punch in for the name of this podcast. So, please do not think you have to panic yeah. and do something tomorrow because I'm doing nothing mm -hmm. for you or for us tomorrow that's special. And if you feel like you should, you're going to make me feel guilty and like a bad wife and you're going to go through undue panic. So let's just have a normal, nice, easy day. Yeah. Maybe we'll make some extra fancy cappuccinos tomorrow there you go. morning and just have a moment. Okay. That sounds nice. Thank yes. you. What about, uh, okay, are you wrapping it up because you haven't said the band words yet? That's what I'm Oh, ah, because I didn't use the band word. Okay, you were going to work it in. I was, and then I didn't. So what do we you do about hold that? It for tomorrow, you can hold it for. The I next don't want to hold it for tomorrow. It doesn't have to be tomorrow. It can be whenever. No. Um. You feel more strongly about these band words. Well, it's my I... podcast, and I do feel very strongly about the band words. <laughs> I know. You're the guy on the couch. You're literally on the couch, sitting across from me. I am on the couch. Right You're my now. Ed McMahon. <laughs> don't most. To tell the folks at home who Ed McMahon What is. I was going to say in the article was that there were a lot of themes that I wanted to unpack in the article, and we were going to go through them all. You are right, sir. Anyway. I just said the band word. Article? 
Nope. Band? Nope. All? Nope. Ed McMahon? Nope. Could we add that one to the list? Unpack. Oh, yeah. The new yeah, band word yeah, is unpack. Unpack things, yeah. I think that started in the, that comes from uh, business, I think, and um, a lot of TED Talks. Uh, actually, not probably not pure TED Talks, like TED X. Michael, you talks. have no idea who the first person to say unpacked was. You're just no, I'm saying this up. that this stuff caught on. It's, it's a. It, it has the veneer of academia when people, you know, are going to systematically unpack things. Um, but yes, it's a very sloppy use of language. A good resource to find new phrases and words that will soon be banned on this podcast is CNN. <laughs> so um, for a while on CNN, they were saying, kick, kick the can down the road. Right. Um, I turned on CNN, which was a mistake, um, which is always a mistake on the background and the um the news reader said um well uh you're the only person who knows how this sausage is made so i'm like oh lots of sausage is going to be made yeah um and then um oh god what is that guy's name oh he's i'm trying to decide which politician is um more reprehensible well should you mention people by name or you just they're politicians so why not no, I know, but you can give descriptions too. That's fun. Like if I um, talked about my least favorite uh, CNN folks, you know, I wouldn't mention it by name. I would just talk about um, how silly they are or stupid or irritating. I can't say they're stupid. I would just say that they would come across as stupid based on what they say and do. Um, well, I'm very much enjoying Matt Gates and Kevin McCarthy go at each other. Cause... I mean, that's the fake Kevin McCarthy. That's my issue. Kevin mm-hmm. McCarthy, isn't that the fellow from... Uh, body snatchers and that sort of thing. I'm sure there are many there, people in the world named Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy. No, but there was a good Kevin McCarthy. Uh and now there's uh, a, a less good one. Matt Matt Gates was on Jake Tapper's show yesterday cuz you know he's trying to get Kevin McCarthy out. I don't know who Matt Gates is. He oh god cuz you don't watch enough social media, Michael. No, of course not. Oh, Thank god. you very much. I don't know how to explain this to you. There was this <laughs> There was this hilarious thing going on for a while when they were up in like the Senate arena and they're yelling at each other. And the chamber. People, chamber, I guess. I don't know if it's a chamber, but it's the main hall where they all vote. On Camera. Stuff. Yeah. And they were yelling at each other and people were <laughs> over, overdumping what they were saying. And okay, like, like fake, fake lip yes, reading. Yes, and it was yes. really funny. Right, right. So funny. Um, anyway, Mac. TikTok. Matt Gates was saying, I don't own Kevin McCarthy. The Democrats own him. And so that must mean something now. No, he was saying the Democrats own him because Kevin McCarthy was like, there has to be an adult in the room and I'm not going to let the government shut down because we can't pass the budget. Oh, Uh, it was that issue because they're going to turn the lights off. And right. Well, because he wants to be a uniter. He wants to. Oh, I don't know. Anyway. God, I keep saying this. Like my 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 anyways are very bad this morning. I apologize for that. I'm really working on it. I know I'm starting to lose. No problem. Okay. This is your thing. Happy pre anniversary. Yes, happy pre anniversary. You mean pre for this year or for the next year? It's all pre's down the road. Pre for tomorrow. Right. Right. Good. All right.